With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Buzz! 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 Welcome back to a post-March madness at the buzzer. Of course, at the buzzer is Ralph Reports podcast. For all of your Colorado athletics news and notes, uh, when you feel like it, some other teams' news and notes um, from around the country. We are we are finally done with our March Madness bender, and after watching a bunch of games, see you and non see you, uh, we we picked up the mics once again and uh, are, are riding into the off season, the long, cold off season, uh, only spared by by spring football. So we'll talk about the uh, the autopsy of the twenty twenty. 2022 season for the buffs basketball buffs and get a little bit of spring football news and notes in there at the end um but today is still mainly about boils boys um i'm one of the co-hosts jack as you know over there is another co-host sam welcome back sam thank you where have you been like I said, I uh, just watching as much basketball as possible. This was a, a nice return to normalcy for March Madness, and it was a unbelievable uh, tournament. I thought I thought it was one of the best I can remember. Um, so, yeah, I, was I thought that. that there was a. I I I was mostly watching the beginning of the tournament because that's when I could actually watch games before two a.m. Um, I I I wish that there was more close games. In that tournament, I know there's a lot, but I thought I could have used the buzzer beater. Um, it, so yeah, I, the way <laughs> there's a fun game I play every year where um, there's a, a main bracket pool and there's a bonus pool, and uh, depending on the teams that you get in your main pool, you get the same as in your bonus pool. But the only way you move forward in your bonus pool is if you cover. So if your team covers, mm. bonuses, you move forward. This year is kind of boring because it like happened once where someone lost, but also covered. It felt like it was either a complete upset, like you mm-hmm. completely won the game. Like St. Peter's games were not super, the Kentucky one was the closest one. They weren't really like barn burner buzzer beaters 
or you're the favorite and you won outright like Kansas who didn't have a first half deficit until the final. So it, it was, I thought a really fun tournament and a lot of upsets happened, but yeah, there weren't a lot of like moments, like uh, you know, highlights, I guess, to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's bad that the first buzzer beater I think of is Jordan Poole versus Houston, but yeah. What? I don't know why that's the first one I thought of in March Madness what? history. That's the first one I thought of. Okay, RJ Hunter would be the second one. Wow. Okay, that makes more sense. I always Let's go see. to Chris Jenkins because I I will never forget that. Okay. Shot. Yeah. Yeah. And then third, I think, is Scotty Reynolds uh, putting Villanova over Pitt to get to the Final Four. Oh wow, that's going the, way back. DeJuan Blair's Pitt. I I do um, also remember the Jordan Crawford Jacob Poland duel Kansas K State Xavier, where they both just had the baggiest shorts imaginable. Jacob Poland's fucking okay. What what are we talking about today? Uh, we well, so, that was March Madness. March Madness. That was the NCAA tournament. Uh, our Buffs were playing in the National Invitational tournament. Mm. Um, which the better was tournament, I say. More historic, absolutely, of course. Uh, and more Pac-12 participation, arguably. <laughs> um, but. They, they drew the St. Bonaventure Bonnies in the first round, and they got to host. They were a four-seed, got to host the five-seed. We both thought the four-seed was a little under-seeded, maybe exactly right. I don't know. Um, but uh, in the end, we haven't recorded since then, of course, but in the end, uh, St. Bonaventure just came in and um, acted like the senior-laden team they were and, and defeated CU in Boulder on route to a quite a long NIT run. Yeah, it turns out the one player that I had heard of on the team, uh, Osun Osunimi, is actually quite good and dominated the paint. Yeah, he was and, a scary big. He, like, took Batty's lunch money for a long part of that game. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They – I mean, like, we talked about it before. They, they had a lot of hype heading into the season. They were preseason oh, yeah. top 25. They were supposed to be, like, the mid-major power that um, – just did so well, and they, they struggled a bit. And it, I mean, we we saw exactly why they they had that hype, and they they ended up making it to the final four of the NIT. Um, so yeah. so it's not that bad of a loss. I I don't think any loss in the NIT is going to be that bad. Um, like it's it's a one off. It sucks we lost at home. Yeah, and it's a shame. That, I mean, you want to give them deep postseason. You want to get more postseason experience, especially for such a young team. And you obviously want to make sure Evan Bay doesn't go out like that. Um, but, like, I don't know. St. Bonaventure, I was just so impressed. I honestly just really liked the way that their team played. It was super – I mean, on offense, their whole offense was just like, we have bucket getters, go make tough shots, and it worked for the most part. Like, they were hitting <laughs> crazy floaters. The two guards that are like eight-year seniors were just coming in, no fear, just hitting ridiculous layups. And then on defense, we talked about this uh, while we were watching live, but I was just so impressed with how fast the rotations were. There were no open threes for CU to take because they were getting to the corners of the kickouts so quick. Um, and that's just really good. That's what CU was uh, when they had McKinley, you know, McKinley's last year, two mm-hmm. years ago. It, yep. was, it was the same thing of, like, it's really hard to beat good 
coordinated team defense. Uh, and, and that's what we saw. There was, there was no easy buckets, no open lanes, no open shots. It was, uh, it was tough, especially down the stretch. I, I will just outright say, I think CU faltered down the stretch. There were some turnovers and fouls that shouldn't have happened. Um, and I think that's what you see when you have a super young team playing a super old team sometimes. Um, so it sucks and it's disappointing. And obviously it was a, it was an upset. I think CU was like two or three point favorites, but um I can't be mad. It wasn't like it was like the ref stole it or St. Bonaventure was – it wasn't anything insane. It was just they were playing really solid, solid defense, and they trusted their seniors to make plays. Yeah. I I mean, if, if you want to even be a homer, I don't think there's anything you can say um, like that. I, I mean, no. damn, sometimes you get outplayed. Tough. But that's okay. Tough way for CU season to end. Um, so – we saw, like you said, St. Bonaventure sprinted through the NIT bracket, beat one seed Oklahoma, um, and then beat, I think, the two seed to get to the final four. We saw Washington State also make the final four from the Pac-12, which is good to see. Um, I really still like that Kyle Smith team. Mm-hmm. Um, and blah, 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 we don't care too much about the NIT. I think Xavier won on a pretty crazy last-second shot. Um, yeah, so so Xavier fired their coach mid, mid-tournament. What happened? No, they fired the coach directly after the NIT like two weeks ago oh. or like last week and uh, hired Sean Miller back. Oh, so okay. yes, our old That's friend. That's the bomb you were waiting to drop on. Yes, okay. our old friend back at Xavier, um, back. back where he started. Why don't you fire? Was he bad? Steel? Uh, he was the worst coach in 30 years, probably, but that's because they, oh, okay. it was, I think, back to back. What was it? It was Thad Mata into Sean Miller into Chris Mack. Into oh, that's really good. Travis Steele. Oh, shit. And it's okay. like, yeah, yeah, you know, hard to Tough meet those expectations. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate end for CU. We're now in the, um, we're now into the hoops offseason thing. And we all know Tabor for the last 12 years has started every offseason the same way. He has one-on-one meetings with his players to talk about their future with the team, see what he envisions their role as, and then he leaves it up to them if they want to stay or go. This has always been a thing. You always see the transfers come out around this time or the departures come out around this time. Um, Let's start with the obvious. Similar to last year, he is not allowing the COVID year to affect his seniors' eligibility. So even though, Mm -hmm. I mean, Evan Batty is going to pursue professional opportunities, which he absolutely should. He has given everything to the school and more. So go ahead, get your money. Um, Eli Parquet, the other scholarship senior has entered the portal as a grad transfer. No bad blood there. Same thing as Deshaun Schwartz leaving and Oswald leaving last year. Just something that Tab World's not interested in. Um, Okay. So for one is I'm glad Evan Batty is going pro because I cannot see him wearing another uniform right, that absolutely would break yeah. my heart yep um but on eli parquet i mean yeah he's falling in the exact same route as deshaun and dallas walton and he's going to be an impact transfer wherever he goes honestly um, go to george mason no 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 he i think i think he can he can do better than that he like deshaun deshaun was good for them because they needed a veteran scorer and someone but parquet he had a bad season this year but um, going to somewhere where he can just be that role player or an energy guy off the bench for a really good team, I think he could fit in um, maybe not Texas Tech because they're probably too good, but something in that vein, I can see him going. Like, I, I, w- I would just like to see him go where uh, 
they just have a crazy defensive culture. Hmm. Yeah, I certainly wish him nothing but the best. It's a shame he got hurt this year. He would have won Defensive Player of the Year, uh, I think, if we had him all year. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing wrong there. And and CU just is ready. He, they play yeah. it by the book. They want to get these young people more and more playing time. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him because. I remember his first year, his first or his first two years. <clears throat> it just looked like we had just kind of someone who was an athlete and he had some flashes, but you didn't really know what he would be. And we didn't know if he would develop into that player at CU. And then he started to get more playing time. He started to hit some shots and we started to think that he could really be something. And uh, I'm just very happy that he, became such a good player and he hit some crazy shots for us. I know. I think he hit a three pointer to tie against Oregon. No, no, no. Arizona at home. Um, That was a huge shot. I think the, probably the biggest of his career. Um, And I mean, he, he was the best perimeter defender in the pac 12 two years in a row. It's just a shame. He got hurt. Um, But yeah, he, he was one of my favorite players to follow on this team. Yeah, and he was he fit your tad, the tad mold perfectly. Um, so it, it's a shame to see it end in a uh, an injury and then in a transfer out, but totally as planned. Um, there were some I, w- I don't maybe not unexpected, but definitely unplanned departures as well this offseason that we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that's sort of the most impactful. Keyshawn Bartholomew is is entering the transfer portal. Um, something that is, I, I don't know. It's going to be tough to replace a, a double digit points per game power five starter. And he's going to get plenty of interest in the transfer portal from other power five teams. I really like what he, his role ended up being at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I do think it was kind of on the wall that he was less enthused with not being the primary ball carrier. And, um, I don't know. It, it's pretty obvious to see KJ Simpson's going to step up in the starting role. Um, and Keyshawn is going to be the main obstacle in that. So um, I, I think it's a, it's a transfer. We were all expecting or partially. Expecting, yeah. Maybe. I, I think it's, I was surprised by it, but I think it is kind of a win-win for both player and team. And that I think Keyshawn is too good to be that sixth man. And that's probably what he would profile as on this team. Um, he, he, I think we, we saw it early, but he's not really a pure point guard. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. And Well, that's why I, I thought it was such a good, at the end of yeah. the back after this year when we went on the run, I thought that was such a good fit for him, to your point. He was just hunting shots, which is great. He's a really mm-hmm. athletic guy. He can slash. He can shoot. Um, I thought that was a really good fit is just to have him run off ball, be secondary ball handler. You're Josh Fortune, if you will. Um, <laughs> Did you have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, regardless, I thought he, he fit that role, but I also think, I yeah. think he it can do more for other teams. And I think he mm-hmm. wants to do more than that. Yeah. And, and it makes sense because I think, I think Todd Boyle would prefer, someone who really sets the tone as the point guard and he might prefer to go bigger and more defensive with that the, instead of playing two small guards. Um, yeah. I, I think we'll, we have to see what, what happens with the rest of the roster. 
because yep. um, because I, I don't I don't actually know who would start at the two guard next year besides maybe Nick Clifford, but I don't think it would be Nick. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I I think we can get into it later. But someone like uh, I don't want to say Javon Ruffin because we don't know anything about him. But that's it's probably not more. Be, it's not going to be. No, 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 no. I, I didn't, I didn't mean that. But I'm saying like the, the like the type of player that fits more onto CU. I don't think it's a Bartholomew type at that in that role. Yeah. So yeah, and like we mentioned, Keyshawn Bartholomew is going to get high power five level interest. He's already heard from Oregon in conference. Um, oh, really? As yes, as well as Wazoo. He's not going to get a bigger role there. I don't think he's going to go to either of those, but he has a long list. I, Maryland is one that reached out, and I think that would be a really good fit because they're kind of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're going to see him go to a pretty good team. I think he um, has. I think he has three years eligibility. Left. Yes. Yep. He's a he's going to be a third year sophomore, which is also valuable to some people. So <laughs> we, we wish him well, and I, I, you know, I totally understand the why he's transferring. Um, and now yep. that also means that CU's in the market for a, a transfer guard. And that's what we're seeing with some of the recent offers. Um, so I think that also helps answer your question about who's going to start at two guard is we, he pr- might not be on the roster. He might not be on the roster right now. Um, so there's, there's a, they went for some big fish. There's a Belmont guard named will something. I'm getting the last name. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. <laughs> Um, oh boy, howdy! But uh, everyone's already on him, um, and he, we're, we're already out of his top five. But you know, there are the rest of the team is staying intact, other than obviously the other huge potential departure. Richard. Yes, thank you, Richard. Um, but he's he's out of reach. Um, oh shit! Why did you? The other obvious departure that we have not talked about, um, it, well, potential departure, pro- likely departure, is, of course, Jabari Walker, something that we've expected all year. So um, he is currently – he's in, it put his name into the NBA draft with the ability to withdraw. Um, I do not expect him to withdraw at all, um, but he is, he is officially testing the waters. Yeah. <sighs> do you have thoughts on this before I say mine? I don't think his value is going to get higher by coming back. I think he proved everything he needs to from the college level. I thought he ended the year really well, especially shooting really well. Um, and, you know, he's younger than Chet Holmgren. So capitalize on that while you can. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how young he was until we were talking about it last week. Yep. Um, yeah, I think I think that the, his player fit, his player type in the NBA is kind of tricky. Um, in that, like, what he's six foot eight, he's not that strong, he's not that heavy, he's not that athletic, and he doesn't really have any elite skills that profile at the NBA level. So, yep. you're it's kind of hard. He he profiles something as a tweener, and he, he has no real set role in it except for being an energy guy, and he might not be athletic enough for being an energy guy. And I think that you have to talk yourself into that he works really hard and he has a lot of skills and he's, he's developing so quickly that he will round out his game and become um, like a defensively capable stretch four. I think that's what you have to, con- to think about. Um, 
And I, I think teams will talk themselves into him as an NBA prospect enough to draft him early second round. I think that's probably a good landing spot for him. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I don't think he's going to be a first-round prospect. But I don't think he ever will be, partially because what you just mentioned. No. His athleticism is is a hard stop on his ceiling. I think he's at plenty athletic enough for the college game, but it's totally different mm-hmm. than the pros. He's obviously a like, really good natural rebounder. I think we we, we saw we saw Tyler Bay, we saw Obi Toppin in person. Yeah, those guys are NBA athletes. Yep, it's it, it pops it pops when when you see it. Yeah, and I also think with Jabari, his shooting, like he shot over fifty percent on threes um, last year. And then he started the year really slowly, but then as Pac-12 play started, he started hitting more and more threes. And I think he was around uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll pull up his – I mean, his stroke is so pure is the thing. Like, you can look yeah. at the percentages, absolutely, but ma- the main thing is just his mechanics are so smooth. And mm-hmm. he's taking a lot of pe- – like, in-your-face threes. Like, he had people in yeah. his face, which is going to be a thing in the NBA level. He, he yeah. wasn't taking so, wide-open shots only. 37% on threes, 82% on free throws. His shot looks good. He can pull up and take contested shots, like you said. That's all really projectable um, as a shooter. And I, if that was something he needed to prove, it would be a reason for him to come back. But um, it, it looks like he's proven that part of his game. And I, I, I don't know what he would have to – but he – could come back and work on. Right. That's the thing is if he comes back, why? Like he's already first team all back 12. He led the team in rebounding. or led the conference in rebounding. If he came back. 15 I, and 10 in yeah, conference it, play. That's yep. really fucking good. Right. I don't think any CU player has had that. Um, even Not even like, not Tyler Scott's Bay, not be Josh closest. Scott. Scott's going to be no, Yeah. David Harrison didn't even do that. I, you know, I, he was borderline dominant for a lot of the back half of this year or just straight dominant for the back half of this year. So I don't know what he would gain by coming back. The only reason I would see that is if he just straight up here is we're not going to draft you this year. If, if for some reason that feedback is you're not draftable this year, work on ball handling or something, you know, make sure you can take people off the dribble. But he already had, he already has shown that and his passing was on display at the end of this year as well. He did a lot of good passing things. So I don't expect him back at all. I don't expect him back, which is totally fine. Go get your money. That's also good for CU. I want him back. I'm hoping those – I hope. sometimes in the draft process, there are players who get to the scrimmages and they realize that they're not really cut out for it and that they're just going to try again the next year. And that sucks when it happens. Yeah. And I kind of I want that to happen. I want him to come back. That's the opposite of what happened with Derek White, and it actually could happen with Jabari Walker too. Is that he starts to play against these guys and shows more skill than they thought he had. Um, but well, so this yeah. is a good transition. If he doesn't come back next year, it will absolutely be. I don't want to say another semi rebuilding year, but you have, you have to tamp down your expectations a hundred percent. The roster next year, if he doesn't come back, I would expect CU to to look at a a forward transfer. They already are putting feelers out for some of those. Um, Can we talk about, too, that Jabari Walker had? 
All right. Sorry, little hiccup, but you were talking about Jabari yeah. Walker. No, I, I mean, he, he went from being a two, three star prospect with no Division One offers to being a sophomore, probably leaving for the NBA. Yeah. What, what does that do for CU? What does that do for, uh, and what does that say about the talent evaluation on the team? Because we, we keep seeing them unearth these gems. At a rate better than almost anyone in the country, definitely better than anyone else in the conference. Like it, it's, it's really consistent with Tad Boyle, which is the hard part. Because if you look at football, they're trying to say, <laughs> either intentionally, unintentionally trying That's to say strategy. Uh, but Tad Boyle is like doing it consistently and has for his entire career at CU. Um, and, and I think not for nothing. It's also great to see that Samaki Walker, who's, you know, top five pick and Jabari Walker's father, also in NBA circles, obviously, um, really likes CU. He really likes what CU's done for Jabari. And so does Jabari. I think they both mm-hmm. came away really happy with the, you know, like a million other CU players, like they love their time at CU and that's not for nothing, especially when they leave early. It's not like a leave early because they didn't want to go back. It's a leave early because you go get your money. Um, yeah. So, and we see, we see with all these CU players in uh, the NBA too, is that they all are very proud of CU and they all represent CU. I think the only one who I haven't really seen do that much is Alec Burks, but uh uh, the the other guys definitely got fired. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. But well, it it just speaks more. I, I, the more you can establish the baseline of, if you come to Colorado, we will absolutely develop you, no matter what level you're at, and you will get a chance to play professionally, um, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. So keeping to establish that baseline, Jabari is kind of a different. Um, He's kind of followed the Tyler Tyler Bay mold. If you remember, Tyler Bay also only had one other Power Five offer that was committable by the end of his uh, recruitment, mm-hmm. and you know also worked his way up into getting drafted early. Um, and it, but they were both. I don't know. It, it's a different vibe than kind of the George King route went, or uh, the Derek White route went. Um, so just being able to show more versatility in how you can develop these kids and how you are getting people to the league will obviously help you in recruiting and add more cred, especially when there's someone uh, like Jabari who played at Compass Prep in Arizona, who's a pretty big prep program, prep basketball program for his last year and obviously has NBA connections with Samaki. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's good for CU either way. If he comes back, it's way more in your face about how good it is. Um, but we also obviously want Jabari Walker to make as much money as possible playing basketball. Yeah. All right. So, do we have any, who, who do we know is coming back? Who, who are our given starters? Everyone else is in according to Ted Boyle. Yes. So you got KJ Simpson coming back, assuming he's going to take the starting role. He did not start a single yeah. game last year from what I remember, because he liked being off the bench. I, I expect yeah. that to change when it becomes his team next year. Um, Hammond, Julian Hammond, also back. We have Javon Ruffin uh, back from injury, a redshirt year coming in as a freshman. Quincy Allen, a red redshirt year coming in as a freshman. Um, Allen will definitely play a lot next year and will be very important to how the offense operates. Um, Nick Clifford coming back. I would expect him to start in some capacity. 
Tristan De Silva coming back. He's going to start. Um, Lawson Lovering is your obvious center, um, but he has a lot of work to do coming back from injury and also just developing. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, you'd ideally kind of want them to find a starter at that position in the transfer market. You definitely but, want a, uh, an experience big. And I think the, some of the offers of putting out speak to that. They have a, there's an interesting one out there. They're looking at a D2, two-time D2 All-American Patrick Cartier from UW-Milwaukee, um, who was like, he went like 22 and eight, two years in a row. Um, so, you know, someone like that would be a really good fit of just like, he knows how to get his buckets. He knows how to play basketball and you don't really have to coach him too hard. Um, but we'll see. Um, that would be a potential incoming transfer. And then, Coming in, you know, you have true freshman Joe Hurlbert coming in from North Dakota. Um, yeah, we forgot Luke O'Brien. Shout out Luke O'Brien. That's right. He will play more minutes than either of us expect, just like this year. Um, yep. So Joe Hurlbert's going to come in, 6'10 guy, semi-ready, but huge jump, obviously, from North Dakota basketball to Pat 12 basketball. And then the other. It's been fresh- done. It's, it's been, been done. That's right. Awesome default. Um, and Joe Herbert's no slouch. He had some pretty big offers. And then the other, the other freshman coming in is RJ Smith, fresh off of a uh, a state championship run from Damien High School in California, Southern California. Hmm. Um, if that story sounds somewhat familiar, KJ Simpson did the same exact thing last year, not at the same high school, but went went to the state championship for his team, led his team in scoring. RJ Smith did the same exact thing. Um, so you expect him to come in a little bit more ready to go. He's going to be another stupid under the radar win for Tad. I'm I'm not a huge fan of his game, but I know that's because it he, he's a different guard than what I like. He's just long, knows how to get his buckets, um, and plays boring defense. So, um, what's Tad boring defense? Uh, you know, he, if you look at his stats, he's not like getting eight million steals a game, but from, oh, from some of the scouting reports you've seen defense? out there from two four seven, wow. Deleon Brown. That's a name. I wonder how he went at Grand Rapids. Wow. I love Deleon Brown. I don't think it went well for him. No, no. But, but RJ Smith is, yeah, he's, he's going to be the, the annoying on ball defender that you like. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he was under recruited partially because he was behind two five stars in his first three years at Damien high school. This year, he was the un, undisputed leader, shot the ball pretty well. I think average 20 in the playoffs, um, something around there and, and let his team, he's a winner. One of those annoying guys where you're just like, yeah, he's a winner. He'll come in and provide <laughs> leadership and grit and actually be good. I don't know. All right. So, so I have a question about the roster construction. Um, how many scholarships do we have available? Was because Mason Faulkner was on the team then transferred to Louisville. Yes. So his scholarship then, was used. We could not use that in recruitment last year. So uh-huh. it just freed up. So there's three yeah. um, expected scholarships. Who did they use? Did they use it on Will Laughlin? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good for him. Yep. Okay. So there's three open scholarships because we have two without Bartholomew. Without Bartholomew. So it, it was Batty, yes. Parquet, Laughlin. What Batty Parquet Laughlin? Those are the three scholarships that are automatically available at the um, end of this year. Parquet Laughlin. Okay. Then you have Bartholomew added and potentially Jabari. Yes. yes. Okay. And we have two players filling in already. 
So that leaves us yep. three open scholarships if Jabari. Potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, is is Bartholomew for sure gone? Bartholomew's for sure gone. I'm just treating Jabari's okay. potential until he says I'm out. Yeah. And it, it it looks like he's leaving room to come back if it yeah. If it goes that way. So uh, so potential targets there. We've already talked about Bobby Clinton, um, who has been linked to CU for a while now. He was a Maryland Bobby Clintman um, from Sweden, I think, or Norway. Bobby Clint. He's actually um, from very close by to me. So he was he's from to... He's from Malmo, which is an hour away from me. Oh, wow. You can go scout him. No, because he lives in the U.S., I think. But, okay. yes. So he, he was committed to Maryland under Mark Turgeon when Maryland, when Maryland fired Mark Turgeon. Um, they released Clinton or Clinton got released from his commitment. Uh, we have heard reports of Mark Turgeon coming around CU a few times. We know that he and Boyle are very close. Uh, they they were they were at, together at or I believe Oregon and Wichita State for a while. Um, and and Boyle was under Turgeon at one of those stops. Um, so they've been friends for a long time. It makes sense that CU would go after Clinton and hopefully Turgeon's putting a good word in for CU. Um, that is a, a target for one of those, or at least was a potential target for one of those scholarships. And now we're seeing CU look at a lot of the transfer options that, uh, just became clear, um, now at the end of the tournament. So we've seen, there's some interesting Twitter follows. Not that that means anything, but Rick Ray is following a few guys that are transferring out of Kentucky. Keon Brooks being one of them, which would be like a pipe dream of mine. Won't happen, but that would be like, oh, Unbelievable. Um, I, even, I don't even know Keon Brooks's game. I just know the name. He, he was. He takes a lot of shots he shouldn't take. Um, but, oh, okay. So I'm out. There you go. He's, <laughs> but he's super athletic, and I don't know. So, anyways, um, we're seeing them go look at a lot of the transfers available, um, and and this is now transfer season. So a lot of mm-hmm. LSU literally had their entire transfer team uh, team transfer out. So all 11 remaining scholarship players enter the transfer portal. Um, we're going to see a lot of that this year um, and a lot of that right now. So expect CU to get more active in, in offering transfers, offering um, immediate impact players as more become available. Is it, are, are we already done with coach firing season? Uh, a lot of it came and went. It would be, I, I don't know. It would have to be a tournament team now that's looking at it. Mm-hmm. But you don't you think know, Bill Self might get fired at Kansas? Unless the, I mean, in, the, if the NCAA forces them to, that would be the only oh, reason because, why. Uh, when he when he had Snoop Dogg coming out throwing money. With the- <laughs> uh, I mean, there are plenty of yes. There's plenty of the investigation into. Uh, Kansas has not finished yet. So much like oh, LSU, oh, that's nice. Much like Where's LSU, Billy- when they actually finish that, they're like, "Oh, we have to clean house." It's gonna be. It yeah. might be like that, maybe. Oh, uh, what's Billy Preston up to these days? I don't think anything good. I don't know either. I'm guessing he's in Puerto Rico. I love doing these podcasts and looking up shitty basketball players. Who I forgot about oh, Billy he's Preston? In, he's in South Africa. Sylvia D'Souza, I know, was on a different tournament team. I forgot which one. Oh, shit. Me too. He was on a good one. I picked them for an upset. Is it Chattanooga? 
Yes, exactly, Chattanooga. Um, but yeah, I think to your point, we're mostly done with coach season because they all have pretty easy. Once Maryland hit the first domino down, hiring Kevin Willard from Seton Hall, almost everything else fell into place pretty quickly. Seton Hall then mm-hmm. grabbed Shaheen Holloway of St. Peter's fame. Shaheen Holloway played at Seton Hall, so it's easy one-two punch. Go grab him, easy money. Butler fired um, their coach and hired Thad, Thad Mata, um, so that's easy money. Xavier fired Travis okay. Steele, hired uh, Sean Miller. Bunch of retreads. Bunch of retreads, yeah, in the Big East. And then uh, elsewhere, LSU quickly hired Murray State's head coach. Florida quickly hired uh, San Francisco's head coach. Some of the smaller spots are going to have to get filled. Wait, but Utah hired. Utah hired Chris say- last year. Yeah, LSU wait, hired say- Matt McMahon of Murray State. Yeah, where'd the San Francisco coach go? Florida hired Todd Golden from San Francisco. Todd Golden. Is that his name? Todd yep. Golden? Yep. Oh, oh, this guy looks like he's like 31. He's 37, I think. Oh, shit. Interesting. So, in in terms of the Pac-12, I don't think you're going to see any coaching changes this year. California came on kind of strong, so Mark Fox keeps his job for another year. Wayne Tinkle has golden handcuffs around Oregon State's athletic department. Uh, uh, what a job! I know. He did. I know. Bobby Hurley, I think, canned a lot of his staff again um, and kept his job. Oh, the the other How big is job he keeping his job. What the- Partially because, yeah. well, the other thing with Arizona State is they're also awaiting the results, I believe, of their football investigation or what that's going to look like mm-hmm. um, because the AD was Herm Edwards' former agent, so he's not going to fire Herm Edwards, which means if you actually want to fire Herm Edwards, you have to fire the athletic director, which means the new athletic director might fire Bobby Hurley. They are a complete mess, um, so don't worry about Arizona State. Thanks for uh, talking. I was stalling, counting how many – Oregon State lost in a row. 18 losses in a row to finish the year. They had a few transfers out as well. Um, oh, man. So, and, and the last big <laughs> job, I think, nationally was Louisville hiring former Kentucky assistant Kenny Payne, who also played for the Cardinals. Um, pretty good hire, I thought. Definitely a good hire for local recruiting. Um, and I can't believe Chris Mack just, like, left um, because he was too tired. But, you know, good for him. And uh, I think that's going to end the string of of major teams losing, changing their coach. I don't think there's going to be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is CU's appeal to transfers? Because I think the highest profile transfer we've gotten ever is hmm. ever or under Tad Boyle. Under Tad Boyle, who is who would be ever? I, I don't know, but I just oh, I can speak no to idea. Tad Boyle. Tad Boyle. I, I, I it, have two answers. It's not Carlon, is it? That Oh, that'd, that'd be a good one. Yeah, he, he started for Utah. Josh Fortune started for Providence before he transferred. That's a power six school. <sighs> yeah. And, and then I think the last one, probably the highest. Warren. No. Probably the Mason highest tr- profile is name on right transferring from Missouri. Oh, that is it. That is it. Definitely. Top 75. Yeah, that, yeah that sucks. He got hurt. Um, so it's probably name on right. 
Yeah, it, it is name one, right? Um, do we have any strong appeal to prospects? Who would want to? Uh, well, now, now with the NIL, I have no idea where CU stands um, regarding like what they can offer NIL wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you have a coach. If you are a guard, you know there's a coach that will absolutely get you to the NBA um, if you have the talent. There, he has a ridiculous track record with getting his league guards to professional NBA level, right? Like the last guy who started that hasn't played NBA minutes at the point guard position, I, I is who Don Collier, maybe, but starting is generous. Yeah, I think that, that would so be it. I, I think if you're a guard, you go there because Tab Oil can put you in the league. Oh, uh, McKinley Wright has – oh, he did play – McKinley Wright played yeah. two minutes this year, I think. Yeah, but he, he got, got damn right he, got, he did. We didn't talk about this, but he got hurt. He was uh, doing really well in the G League and got uh, – he picked up an injury and has been out. He's going to stick around the G League for a while. He's going to be one of those guys that's like 27, gets a two to two-way contract, and just blows and like kicks ass, and then just signed on for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, the Frank Mason route. Um, yeah, Tory Craig. So I, I think that's your thing. If you're a big, you just look at the gaping hole that will be the minutes left by Batty and Jabari Walker, and you just say, I will absolutely start on a power five, six team. Uh, if I go here, like there is nothing stopping me from taking 35 minutes a game and taking as many shots as I want. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in a good team. Like that's, uh, that's another good thing is like, you could be the missing piece to go to the tournament. There's, there's so much talent. So did we talk about uh, potential forwards to come in and be instant starters? Or was it just, Is it or just was what? it just the Swedish kid, Bobby? Clinton. Well, there's the uh, I, there's nothing super concrete right now, so I don't want yeah. to talk about any. Uh, oh um, yeah, you don't have to talk specifically, but so my is, personal favorite option is someone that we both know, Fardaz Imak uh, from Utah. Oh Valley. shit, that would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. I. Don't think that he fits in with our culture. Okay. Not in like the way that he's just kind of a plotting big man who is very wide and scores on those little, little, little like plus like everyone's push win. shots, but Everyone also wants everyone's going to win. He's slow. And when, when was the last time we had like a go-to scorer, big boy who is also slow? Have we ever had one? It may not count Josh Scott as slow. Josh Scott is not in that. He's Josh Scott is too polished and too good. <laughs> okay. Tory Miller? No. Tory Miller was a rim runner who didn't really know what to do. <laughs> I don't well, think we've ever had a not working with type. much. I don't think we've had a player type like this. Yet. Shane Harris-Tunks. <laughs> okay yeah it's Shane Harris talks um but no we I don't think I don't think we've had a player like this um and I I think I would like to have him on the team I think everybody wants to have him like what 
Iowa is linked to him. Texas is linked to him. We're not getting this guy. No. Kentucky, Arkansas. I, I no told chance. you we're not getting. I said that. I said he's but probably right. You, I, I will take credit because I've mentioned him now for you the have. past two years. You absolutely have. So I, I, for I want I want you to acknowledge that, and you already did. So thank you. Um, damn, this dude's good though. Yep. Um, do we want to move on to football? I'm running out of things to talk about. Oh, Let's wait. Do no, it. No, 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 no. We, we missed a couple of things, okay? Okay. So, one, we both have to apologize to Remy Martin because he's an NCAA champion. Um, I, I never said anything bad about Remy Martin. That's not true. Don't come at me with your sense. <laughs> but I always um, liked how Remy Martin played. I'll say that. I just didn't like uh, how he overshadowed McKinley. Yes, I didn't like how he overshadowed McKinley. I didn't like Arizona State basketball. Still don't and will never. And I would say that I always said he should be a sixth man, and he was a sixth man. So I was also That's, right. It's such a good role for him. It's it, he, mm-hmm. Take as many shots as you want when you're coming off the bench. Yeah, beautiful. Did you think that they would have a chance of winning the tournament, Kansas? Because we both hated that side of the bracket. We didn't trust any of those teams. Uh, yeah, I picked Kansas to win every bracket I made. Really? Yeah. Why? How did you know that? How did I know they were going to win? I didn't. I just I knew I I had two teams I loved coming into the tournament: Kentucky. So mm, how'd that go? Yep, exactly. <laughs> and Kansas. So literally the diametric opposites of how to perform in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the reason I love Kansas are Oshai Abaji, end of list. Mm-hmm. I just love Oshai Abaji that much. I thought oh, they had okay. a really good team. I thought McCormick was fine. I just don't, I didn't love how really any of them played. I just thought you could make a pretty deep run on the back of Abaji and uh, I don't know, a lot of senior guards. Coleman Land's like eight years senior and he can slow you down if you want to. You can speed up and run with Remy if you want to. Uh, Christian Braun came on late, which is something I didn't really clock, but was definitely helpful. And, you know, Abaji and McCormick are two really good building blocks. But so you just can't pick Gonzaga. You just can't pick Gonzaga anymore. No, you can't. I was really dying on the UCLA hype train. I was going to. They got real close. Just Team of Destiny. They, they ran to the Team of Destiny and Caleb Love went supernova. If you watched that game. Yeah. No, he did not watch that game. Um, oh, well, he had two points okay. in the first half and 28 in the second half. So there you oh, go. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So the last point that I wanted to talk about was the CU women's team playing in their yeah. first NCAA tournament under J.R. Payne. And they also ran into something of a team of destiny. Number 10 seed Creighton, who ended up going to the Elite Eight. And Creighton, they were very good, as we saw in that game. Yep. Um, they were crisp. They were they were very. So you smart. played them they, the closest out of anyone that yeah. played them. They they uh, I mean they did it basically. They they profiled as a team that would not make mistakes and they would hit threes. And CU needs to force turnovers to get any offense going. And they also can't really defend the three point line. That I don't know why, but that's just a huge weakness for them. And it did not help Maya Hollingshed play pretty bad yep. in her final game. Um, 
And then um, Jalen Sherrod is a fucking star. She's so good. Yep. And she was great, but she did get hurt in the middle of the game. So that was tough. Um, yeah, the, I mean, I think there's a lot to look forward to with that team because even if Maya Hollingshed has been the best player, um, they return, I think, everybody else except for her. Uh, there's been a lot of transfers out. A lot, a lot of them make total sense. Just people that didn't play. Um, literally, yeah, okay. as we're talking, Peanut Tuitulele is transferring out. What? Um, yep. So that is actually a pretty big loss. Um, oh, shit. No, I didn't know that. What? Li- well, it literally just had like five minutes ago as we were recording. Oh, damn. You want to tweet that? Uh, I'm not on tweet deck if that's oh. what you're asking. But – um, they are there is plenty of talent still there. Sherrod is going to be the absolute star of the team if she can stay healthy. Uh, I really like mm-hmm. where a lot of the Maybe guard deal. play is. You just, mm-hmm. I don't remember if Quay Miller was a senior this year or not. She's not, I think she was a COVID sophomore. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, or gotta keep her around. You hope you have enough talent to uh. And the front court. That's always been Jared Payne's issue. She cannot keep the front court stable. Um, Holland Shea was a really good help to that, but she needs more. Mm-hmm. Well, Quay Miller is really fucking good, but uh, still needs more. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, still needs more. And then uh, Kendall Weta looks very good. She, yes. This is it's so fun. Having, it's so fun having those two just running around making shit happen. Yeah. Uh, but she yeah, is absolutely insane. I think there's reason to be hopeful with this team. They have um, some quality players. I, I I do want to know more about who transferred, who's coming in. Um, but uh, I think it's something to watch. Um, did, is Leslie Finnau coming back, or is she done? I do can't know? remember. Lasila, Lasila Finnau. So coming in, you have Jada Wynn, who's a guard. You- you got a wing forward, Lizzie Holder, and then you have a Canada Canadian center, Bree McLeod coming in, as well as another forward, Allie Fitzgerald. Damn, I don't know. Pretty who, big recruiting these, class. I have no idea who these people are, but I'm excited to learn. <laughs> yeah, Bree McLeod's going to be a pretty. I think she she might play pretty quickly. Uh, she was. A, a top 50 watch list player. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. She's going to, she's oh, probably going nice. to play pretty quick. Wow. Yeah. Jada Wynn is a six, six foot guard. That's insane. Maybe it's not that insane. I feel like that's going to be super tall. Uh, I think it is tall. It's just not that tall. It's like, I think that's like having a six foot six guard. Or like a six foot seven guard. All right, let's go to football. This is stagnating. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just looking through these. This now this uh, whole class. Sorry. Uh, yes, let's go to football. Spring football is happening. It's done. It's currently ongoing. Great news. Oh, wait, is it? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, spring football currently ongoing. Some of the biggest storylines, of course, JT Shroud still not cleared for full contact, but he's obviously around the team and working. Um, so he hopes to be cleared. He's, he's further along in his injury 
than we thought. His injury, sorry, rehab than we thought. So he should be cleared pre, uh, maybe at the end of spring camp, definitely in the summer for contact, which is good news. Um, Carl Durrell has also been uh, making some pretty obvious compliments towards Brendan Lewis, saying that he looks like a different player. He looks way better. So, you know, it's always hard to parse spring optimism from what's real and what's not. But good to hear that Brendan Lewis is back and fully engaged. As we know, we are a pro Brendan Lewis podcast. Um, other little storylines. Tommy Brown is practicing all along the offensive line. He's probably going to be the most important transfer coming in. Um, yeah, and our biggest NIL superstar. That's right. Shinesty's own. Um. And there's, there's currently only six wide receivers practicing on the team, which is super light. But that's obviously a team, the position group that was hit heavy with transfers after the parting of ways with Darren Chivarini. So um, you hopefully, I mean, that number is going to grow as the freshmen come in. And um, you can still play okay with six, but it's changed. They've mentioned how that's changed how they practice so far in some of their formations into something a little more tight end heavy, which is music to my ears. Um, similarly on offense, there's only three scholarship running backs on the roster right now, including Jaylee Stacks. So um, Alex Fondo is going to get a lot of work in the spring. Um, sorry. I, uh, I saw Pina to um She posted, she tried to say dear buff nation, but she accidentally typed dead buff nation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, Pina. Ouch. <laughs> um yeah, okay. I was not listening to anything you were saying. You said Fine. Alex Fontenot. Just running through stories. Alex Fontenot and Ramon Jefferson. Are those the top running backs? Ramon Jefferson is not on campus yet, I don't think. So currently scholarship okay. running backs available to CUs is Alex Fontenot, Deion Smith, and Jaylee Stacks. Okay. Is Josiah Davis? He's gone. Um, he too, I, th- I'm pretty sure he tore his ACL and he's just recovering. Okay, whatever. Um, I might be wrong. That sounds like... Hmm, okay, so from what I figure, that sounds like Alex Fonso's job to lose unless Ramon Jefferson comes in and I assume that they would split carries those two. Ramon Jefferson will absolutely play. He will absolutely yeah. play. And Deion Smith also showed some good things, I thought. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, the I, receivers, do we do we know which of the receivers will probably be the the main targets? Or like, so am I hallucinating that Montana Lamonius Craig's good? No, he's really good. Um, okay. He is not the leading receiver coming back. That is That's Brady Russell, Daniel Arias. Actually, Brady Russell, as you know, is a tight end. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Is he not a leading receiver? <laughs> All right, Dick. Um, <laughs> yes, so Montana okay, so Craig is Arias. one of them. Daniel Arias is one of them. RJ With Speed, what, like 206 receiving yards. Yes, or I think it's even oh. less, but yeah. And and RJ Sneed is going to play a lot coming in from Baylor, so we better hope he's very good, or at least pretty good. Um, What's his player type again? He's a possession-heavy receiver, like mainly possession receiver. Oh, what, what did I say? 236 yards? Yeah. You said 237. There you go. Okay. Um, what Can you tell me what a possession receiver is? Because I've never known. 
Is it just a receiver who's not that fast? Uh, it's definitely part of it, but I would consider <clears throat> a possession receiver because you can be fast to be a possession receiver. I think a prototype would be Larry Fitzgerald where they are a gigantic catch radius and they're going to be able to run your intermediate routes, quick in and out of breaks, get open quick, you know, things like that. Tony Brown would be an example of possession okay. re- receiver that you so, had recently. So who has possession in this scenario? The offense? Yeah. A pos- are you asking about the definition of the term possession receiver? Yes, I don't know what it is. Okay, I've never so known what it I is. would consider just, the, the definition of possession receiver is someone who helps you maintain possession. So there are receivers that like will help a chain you mover. Yes, someone who moves okay. the chains. Yep. Okay, is that it? Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Because <laughs> um, it's always when I play NCAA football fourteen or whatever, it's just the receivers that aren't that fast that are listed as possession receivers. Yes. So, well, that's that's how Madden likes it, to go. It, Anquan Bolden was the was the prototypical yes, receiver. Yes, 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 yes. I wasn't sure if that was like a yak thing or a uh, move the chains thing. So, so that's nice to clear up. Okay, so RJ Sneed, another huge transfer. He'll play right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chase so Penry. Chase Penry will absolutely get a lot of run. Okay. Uh, on, on defense, I am still terrified of inside linebacker with no Nate Landman. That is, I have no idea who's going to play there. Quinn Perry will obviously play a lot. Uh, Mr. Williams, who has a great name and was a freshman last year, according to the roster, is now six foot flat and 250 pounds. So I kind of want to see that. <laughs> um, Marvin Ham, who I've liked since he committed under Mel Tucker, well, is going to play a lot there. But I, I am just nervous about what that looks like. I don't mm-hmm. – so that on defense scares me to death, as well as we are still T-minus eight, like a million years since Jimmy Gilbert left, and I do not know who the go-to pass rusher is going to be on the edge. Okay, so we have uh, Terrence Lang in his seventh season on campus. Uh, yes. Yeah, but he's time. not on the edge. He's he's a, he's a defensive he's not on end. The edge. He's a defensive end. Jalen Sami is the nose tackle. Yeah. And then who is on the edge? Is it Guy Thomas, Jamar Montgomery? Are they good? So Guy Thomas is going to be outside linebacker. He might be the go-to edge rusher. We don't know. Okay. Um, who was the other name you mentioned? Jamar Montgomery. Uh, he's more of like a coverage inside. I mean, he can rest a passer, but that's not going to be his big thing. But yeah, he's going to be an outside linebacker thing there. Devin Grant is going to play from outside linebacker. He played last oh, year. Oh, yes. Okay. He's pretty fun. Classic Texas guy. What does I don't that know. mean? <laughs> he, played, he played high-level football for a long time, so he came in last year ready to go. Okay. It's what I'm taking okay. it to mean. Alvin gotcha. Williams has been inside and outside from Georgia. I trust any player named Alvin. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm just I uh, that is the scary part. I think that the once again the front defensive line is going to be okay, and once again I I'm I'm actually kind of excited. We lost Christian Gonzalez and Mikai Blackman, which is very bad, but the young talent there was pretty exciting last year, and I think it will continue to be so. So I, I, li- I like what I saw at Tyron Taylor. I want to see more of that. Kalen Moore was pretty exciting back there. And Nico Reed is just so fast. Um, so I don't know. Also, I found a new starting quarterback. This is what we're going to end the podcast on. Oh, shit. Okay. Is it uh, Maddox Cop? No. 
It's an it's another <laughs> freshman walk on from Valley Village, California, named Prez Juarez. What? Prez Juarez. Is he on the baby. roster? Yeah. What number? Uh, it appears that he's unnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> Great chance. Oh, I see him. Yeah, he's unnumbered. Dude, come on. We have to. Let's see. Where? Oh, okay. So this guy looks like he just finished rushing. <laughs> Where is? Okay. He's got to start. We are now a Prez Juarez podcast. Move over, Brendan Lewis. Oh, he's from the Valley. That's right. He's, he's from Valley Village. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what that is. We have some good names. Do some decent names this year. Mr. Williams and Prez Juarez, two leaders. Yeah, I, I can find more. If you if you stall, I'll find more. Well, the Zion Magalay on the outside, too. What the? I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm, yeah. Watching, I'm watching Prez Juarez's huddle. We have a player named Mason Midget. <laughs> which is, <laughs> okay. What a name, man. Okay, is Trevor Woods going to be good? I assume he's I good. love Trevor Woods. He was good last year. Yeah, I know. I, but I've loved him since he signed. I assume he's starting, right? Yes, he's starting. Okay. Oh, hey, Grant Page. I played basketball so much. Uh, yes. Signing day flip from Nebraska, Grant Page. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Um, I really have no idea why. I thought that he was going to Kenny Bell us, but I guess not. Or Fairview to Nebraska. That I sometimes I make these deep cuts, and I don't know if they're too deep of cuts. Like you, you caught the Austin Dufault thing earlier, and I didn't know if that was going to be okay. Is it is it time to wrap up? It's time to wrap up. What does Justin Jackson do? Has he done anything? As he, was, he was fine last year. He's a rotation piece. He'll be a rotation piece okay. again this year. In Jeremiah Doss, does he do anything? He was hurt last year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, great, great stuff. Do we? Who is your favorite player to keep an eye on? on the In offense? spring? On the offense. Um, For spring football, I don't know. I'm excited to see a lot out of Eric Olson at tight end. He got mentioned in okay. the first day, but he is – him and Caleb Fourier are just different types of tight ends than we've had. Like, they are your – freakish NFL guys, 6'5", run like a deer type guys. Mm-hmm. That's something we haven't seen a lot of at CU, um, and I want to see more of that. Mike Sanford, if nothing else, if nothing else, he may not be good at scoring a lot of points as an offensive coordinator, but he will absolutely feature a tight end if he has one. Um, okay. So I want to see more of that. Um, do, do we have a punter? What happened to our guy? Yes. Uh, we do. So Josh Watts transferred out. Great punter last year. Ashton Logan coming in. A five-star, according to Chris Saylor Kicking Academy uh, God, from California. So he great he gray-shirted last year. He's he's now in as a gray-shirt freshman this year. That's right. We gray-shirted a punter. Um, he was Fantastic. one of – he was highly sought after, and, and CU picked him up. He is going to boom some guys. Cole Becker and Ashton Logan are the backbone of the hottest special teams unit in the Pac-12, baby. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just I was thinking more about it's the Becker time. And I thought, yeah, we, we're going to need a punter unless we have something going on. Um, any other defensive players to get excited about besides Trevor Woods? 
to get excited about? Yeah. Well, who um, are you most excited about? I mean, Terrence Lang as a sixth year senior is also exciting, but he's been exciting since day one. Yeah. Like I said, no, this young thing more flashy. Nico okay. Reed is really cool. Kalen Moore is a really fun athlete. Um, we can look at, I don't know, Jalen Stryker will play after being at junior college last year. I'm just nervous about the linebackers, so it's hard for me to look at any of those linebackers. Yeah, maybe don't. <laughs> okay. I won't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, some, some, uh, yeah, young DBs, I think, are what you can be excited about. I'm going to have my head in the sand and peek out if we're doing well. Okay. Peek out if things look nice because last season kind of killed me. Just it was very upsetting. It was very upsetting. Yep. It well, you know, it we'll see if Carl Durrell survives this year. That is the that is the big question. You like all the hires. So Oto left, unfortunately. So now we are left with uh yeah, we'll see. All right. Okay. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. See you, Jack. See ya. Buzz. Buzz. <laughs>